passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hello, everybody. It's John Pollock and Wei Ting here on a Wednesday afternoon with news. How are you, Wei? Doing good, yeah. Uh, another Wednesday without dynamite, but um, again, that does not stop stop the news. So here we are. No, we have a lot to talk about. I thought, you know, should we hold this over till Thursday? We all know there's just going to be that much more tomorrow. So let's. Uh, it's it's like uh, doing your chores each day. You don't want it just to mount up, and then you have so much to do the next day. You gotta. That's why you, you gotta do all your chores every day. Um. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What? What? It's like what, working out. It's like going to the gym, way. Yeah. Like, why put off tomorrow? What could be done today? Well, I mean, if only I could be more, uh, more disciplined with that too. Uh maybe, maybe we can do a combination of, like, maybe we should just start doing the news on a tr- while we're each on on treadmills or like an exercise bike or something, just to give me an excuse to work out on a regular that would basis. See- that would be a gift for all of our listeners to hear us huffing and puffing right through now. the just, demos. Yeah. So, uh, new, <laughs> King of Pro Wrestling. <laughs> ah, I fell. <laughs> I declined in my third hour rotation <laughs> on the treadmill. My my incline is not <laughs> doing too well. Yeah. As I'm going you know what? Uh, I should into my run... third quarter. Yeah, my treadmill incline should be the same as the raw viewership craft. Yeah. By the third hour of our show, you'd be I'll just downhill. Having yeah, that'd be great. Big fatigue in the third hour amongst the <laughs> uh, the eighteen to forty nine uh, waiting John Pollock demo. Well, I don't think that could be a better segue. Uh, which maybe we could ride segues into our first story, which is ratings way ratings. How have we never thought of ratings? And we with still waiting? have it, John. Uh, let me cut you off right there. I don't think this is a. And end that discussion right here. You don't like it? I don't think so. Oh man, I think that's awesome. <laughs> how have we never? How have I never put that together? I put that one all on my shoulders. Oh, great. Uh, Ratings with waiting. Yeah. Um, let's start off with Raw, uh, and then we'll we'll chat about Saturday Night uh, Dynamite because there's there's quite a lot to take from these numbers. Raw had its its best week. Since the night after WrestleMania, 2,028,000 viewers up 23% from the prior week and a 0.67 
in the 18 to 49 demo. This demo number way was so high. I must have cross-checked this five times to make sure this was right. To, to put that into comparison, they did a 0.48 last week, which is what they've been typically doing. So they were up almost 40% in their key demo. This was coming off of SummerSlam. It was the first Raw with the Thunderdome. And I think that there was also a lot of buzz from SummerSlam with the return of Roman Reigns that I think that would help the first hour. I can't give credit to that for the full show because I think it was made very clear in the first segment that you want to see Roman Reigns, it's going to be on SmackDown Friday. But all of that, they were still going against the NBA. The third hour had the Republican convention that still did over 15 million viewers across all the networks. This is a great number for Raw. They're their highest, as I mentioned, since early April, right after WrestleMania. You know, I think the double whammy of having SummerSlam, which um, a lot of people, despite, I think, you know, tuning out, SummerSlam to me would be something that even a Laps fan would be somewhat curious to uh, see the results of, to catch up on. So I think a, a combination of that and maybe some good good buzz coming out of SummerSlam as well with some significant events coming out of it. Uh, plus, of course, um, you know, the very publicized... Um, introduction of the Thunderdome, which I mean, I would certainly plenty of people would have seen already on SmackDown, but um, I think I think it was a factor. I, I I think a lot of people, I mean, probably didn't. If you know they're not used yep. to watching wrestling on a Friday and Mondays are more their wrestling day, let's check out this new WWE structure that I've heard so much about. Uh, I think it's a combination of both those things. I also really do wonder though, John, like how how obvious it was that Roman wasn't going to be on this show for. You know, somebody who, again, might be a bit of a lapsed fan, doesn't necessarily realize that um, Roman might even be on SmackDown. Um, certainly, like, they never advertised any of appearance from him later on in the show. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe there was enough on this show to, to get people interested. I definitely feel Reigns was a springboard for people to tune into Raw. I don't think people were... Uh, just assuming SmackDown, I guess I just thought those ads were very effective of pushing that contract signing. But I mean, you may have had some people just they tuned in and either they liked what they saw or they were sticking around for whatever reason or they were really into this presentation. Like, as we said on Monday, this was a show, especially those first two hours. I think it worked out to be about 12 and a half minutes of actual wrestling time during those two hours. And it was quick matches, lots of out-of-the-ring ideas, and it it proved to be an effective uh, tool this week. Now, a, a question I throw out to you. Um, Dave Meltzer looked at the, the Google trends for SummerSlam, and they were somewhere around like 200,000, which he equates to like a, not to a big WWE pay-per-view. It would be kind of a disappointing number for SummerSlam. Do you think that a lower interest level in SummerSlam in a weird way, enhances the Raw because people are curious. They're not watching SummerSlam, but they are kind of interested in the fallout of a big pay-per-view. Do you think that that uh, plays any factor into this? That's a really interesting theory. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're. we could be talking about a SummerSlam, uh, which is, of course, you know, you, there are bigger hurdles to watching something on a WWE network. You have to pay for the thing. You have to, you know, maybe take your time out of doing something on a typical Sunday. Uh, whereas on a Monday, I think despite 
you know, um, a lot of people not watching Raw as much these days, it's still kind of habitual to say, oh, Monday night, let me just flip on this channel. It's a lot easier to just dip in. And again, to get caught up on all the things you might have heard about on Summer, about SummerSlam through Twitter uh, and more, more, you know, maybe more specifically to see what this Thunderdome looks like. Uh, so the breakdown was 2140000 in the first hour, 2045000 in hour two, and then 1900000 in hour three. All three of those hours, uh, their highest, respectively, since that uh, night after WrestleMania show. So are you? do you think, Wade, that there is a bit of a wave that they can ride based off of this uh, Thunderdome slash other reasons uh, of curiosity? Are you expecting like a big crash down to earth next week or somewhere in the middle? I think they'll ride this for, you know, at least another week, if not two, maybe even the whole month. Uh, Payback, you know, despite it being a a smaller show, is something that I think might get a bit of curiosity, uh, especially if there's something significant happening on it. Um, There's... I don't expect a title change, not not a major title change, at least, you know, maybe a tag title change. I don't think that would really do that much. But nonetheless, I mean, there there could be a significant event on that show to really, like, drive up interest. But much of the number this week, to me, is, is more of a curiosity thing. And, um, you know, it, it might be, I think overall, like, the Thunderdome is an improved presentation. Um, it just feels a bit more grand. And, you know, it, it could result in, I think, slightly... A uh, slight, slight uptick in per- permanent viewers, but I, I, I'm still of the belief that this is all really just a temporary solution. I think so too. Um, I wasn't expecting as big a number as this, especially given what else was on Monday night. But uh, just to get uh, a sample of some of these uh, demo numbers, uh, males 18 to 49 were up 40 percent this week for RAW. That's just a gigantic number for RAW standards. Adults 25 to 54 up 37 percent. Uh, women 18 to 49 were up 39%. All demos were up double digits this week. However, in the third hour, uh, we, de- we did see adults 18 to 34 uh, drop 22% in that third hour. Women 12 to 34 dropped 20%. Um, so the third hour, I mean, it had the Republican convention. It's also, it's the third hour. There's going to be a drop pretty much regardless. Um, but I would say as the whole, um, this was a, v- a very strong week for WWE, and I think that the Thunderdome, I I think that they certainly get at least another week's curiosity out of it, but I'm like you. I don't think this is the the ultimate, uh, you know, change that is going to turn numbers around either. There is going to be a a fleeting interest in in this concept, but it's after SmackDown and Raw, I mean, it's hit two very solid, uh, you could say home runs when it comes to numbers of driving people to tune into programming and the Thunderdome is a big reason. We can definitely say that they've done a great job promoting the Thunderdome yep. um, and letting people feel like this was, this is going to be a big significant change. And we shall see if that's the case. So uh, a week or two from now. Now that also comes with the negative publicity that the Thunderdome has uh, brought to WWE. And that was after Monday's episode of raw. And I'll fully admit, like I did, we, we noted the, the, the Chris Benoit image that made its way onto there, but it was only after the show um, that I heard about the, the other incidents that made its way onto the screens. One being uh, what appeared to be a, a group in Cl- Klansman outfits, uh, waving a Confederate flag, uh, there was also apparently an execution 
that aired on this. I mean, these are just, uh, I mean, you would like to say, uh, Shocking that this made its way onto there, but I think that you're doing this kind of technology, you're kind of opening yourself up to this. Uh, WWE did put out a statement. Uh, this was sent to Pro Wrestling Sheet. This abhorrent behavior does not reflect WWE's values, and we have zero tolerance for these unacceptable acts. We are working to ban those involved from future events, and per our policies, any inappropriate actions result in the removal from the live stream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this uh, is going to be a game for WWE because there are absolutely going to be copycats that are going to attempt this kind of stuff to mess with WWE, and it's just going to be like whether you limit the amount of people and try to monitor all of what these users are doing. Like that's that's a pretty significant task in and of itself to be monitoring that over a two or three hour uh, live broadcast. Well, what is the aim? <clears throat> Excuse me. What is the aim of a troll on the internet, John? To get this kind of attention and to create a news story. Exactly. To create a reaction. And look at the reaction these people uh, seem to have created, you know, to the point where WWE has had to issue a response. All these news sets are picking up on it. <clears throat> Excuse me, everybody. Um, So definitely something like this will, will encourage copycats. And I really do wonder, looking at these results, like how much foresight WWE would have had prior to this whole project i mean i think in in theory it's a great idea yeah we'll let the fans like you know appear on camera uh everybody will be incredibly obedient they'll show their hands and it'll be just like it it's it, it used to be um but as anybody who's ever run any sort of like internet chat room uh message board or you know anything of the sort you, you know dealing with trolls is just uh, like just a part of the internet and when you have people coming into these rooms without paying completely anonymously um you know like without really as much as like i mean you could give a fake, fake email and that's really all all you really need there's no accountability whatsoever it's not like you can really escort somebody out of out of this this venue for uh, and take away their their rights to uh something that they paid for there's nothing like that of the sort. There's no uh, penalty whatsoever. People are going to use that anonymity to get the attention that they really deserve. Um, so again, how do you police something like this when you're dealing with, what, a thousand accounts? I really don't know. Short of, you know, being able to request, pe like basically hiring your the, these people to appear on camera or even if you ask people to pay an amount, first of all, they would get some some flack for for doing that um but what what would you say like even if it was like a ten dollar entrance fee you still get plenty of trolls but but does that not open the discussion up like there was a lot of backlash when aew heels launched because there was a mm -hmm. financial uh commitment you have to make to enter this area that they were promoting as a place that female fans can come and it's a safe space uh but it came with like, this is the reason. Like, when you don't put uh, some kind of paywall above, you are welcoming, you know, voices you cannot control, actions that you cannot necessarily police. That's the reality of things. And having a paywall for fans to get into this Thunderdome is an option that they probably are looking at. Like, there has to be some kind of further screening process or at least... Uh, a paper trail you leave so that your identity is attached to the screen. And if you are going to act out and put up a clan rally onto your screen, it's going to be known that it's this person and this is their IP address 
But again, you're getting into territory that I don't feel WWE was signing up for to be playing internet police. They just want to create a broadcast and have an atmosphere towards it. But this is this is the this is what they have inevitably signed up for, and this is what they have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's what really makes like this entire whole thing so interesting from a TV production standpoint is. Uh, you know, we've taken away live crowds. Okay, well, how do we do our best to use technology to try to replicate that? Let's try this. Okay, well, this poses this challenge. How do we fix that? Well, then let's try this. Okay, well, how do we fix that? Because this poses another problem. So every single week, it's just a constantly evolving thing. Everybody's trying new things, and everybody's having to fix problems. New Japan today where it was trying something different, uh, which we'll talk about a bit later, too. So every week is going to be a constant sort of retooling process. And uh, I think WWE like has stumbled onto something interesting here with the concept of the Thunderdome. Now it's about having, you know, these meetings to try to, yeah, uh, like make amendments. AEW, Saturday Night Dynamite. Uh, they ended up doing 755,000 viewers, a .31 in the main demo. So compared to their last Wednesday show, they were only down 4.5% in viewers and 3% in the demo. They were fifth for the day on cable, uh, trailing the NBA and the UFC prelims, which are a UFC main card that aired on Saturday night. So they were neck and neck with the UFC. Uh, I've got to say, just, just looking at this and how well they ended up uh, doing, especially with young males that... Uh, followed this show and they grew that young male audience uh it was kind of the younger females they were definitely down compared to their last wednesday show uh but as a whole i think this was a real success for tnt and aew to move to an unfamiliar night that is a much worse night to run on they had significant competition not the least of which was direct wrestling competition in the form of takeover and you didn't even have a hard start time to promote which has its good and its bad. You didn't have – you told people six, but it was actually a half hour later. But that also comes with uh, an extraordinary lead-in they had in the form of uh, – I think it was 1.7 million viewers. And that definitely helped. Like the first quarter uh, – Brandon Thurston has a rundown of the quarters. And that first quarter was huge. They ended up doing over a million viewers for the first five minutes of the show. So the idea of piggybacking AEW off the NBA – it's an interesting strategy, and I think this only would cement your commitment if you are TNT that we've got a very valuable property in AEW to be able to move it on a week's notice, really a, a week's notice on television, 10 days. And our audience found it on Saturday, and I thought this was a very good number. Completely, completely agreed. Um, you know, I think this just further proves um, – the dedication and the loyalty of an AEW fan base. And I think the great goodwill that they've built with, with their audience. I mean, since even before AEW's creation, really like um, the creation of AEW very much is they pride, they pride themselves on, I think, you know, the, the, like the voice of the people just going back to like Cody's speech at all out. Right. So um, this is an audience that not only is very much aware of these TV time slot changes, uh, they're willing to take time out of their schedule to, you know, accommodate. Um, so certainly like the, the NBA lead in, I think uh, would, would, would have held, but you know, let's not forget that there was also another NBA game going on at the same time yeah. as dynamite as well. So many of those fans might've actually tuned over to the other NBA game. 
Uh, but nonetheless, like I would be very curious to know how many new fans would have watched this episode of Dynamite and how many people were simply, you know, uh, uh, AW fans anyway that just, you know, made the time to watch on a Saturday. But, you know, no matter how you really shake it, like this is a great success for AEW. You've got, you know, uh, not just a weird time slot. You have an inconsistent start time. Um, you have t- competition from NXT TakeOver. And yes, TakeOver is is on a pay service. Uh, it's not as simple as, you know, flipping over to USA. But nonetheless, I mean, just speaking personally as my, as a as a AEW uh, viewer, first and foremost, uh, most weeks, I was more curious than the TakeOver because it is a TakeOver. And, I you know, no matter how big of an AEW loyalist somebody, somebody is, I do have to imagine TakeOver is still, like, acquires a great deal of interest so is it is it was this a case of you know people um giving priority to the the tv show and then watching takeover on delay um eh, i don't know but nonetheless it's like i i thought like their ability to to keep up this way you you really can't like um say it any other way this was a great success this whole experiment on a saturday night the goal for me going in would have been just maintain. Try to maintain whatever percentage of your audience you can. And, dude, males 12 to 34 were up 47% on this Saturday compared to the last Wednesday episode of Dynamite. Like, that is uh, that is a huge stat that you're hitting young males to that degree where it would say Saturday night is a better night for young males. Um, hmm. Their biggest drop uh, from the last Wednesday was uh, women 18 to 49. That was down 27%. Um, but... I think that there's certainly a lot you can take from this number. And in a weird way, one of the most impressive stats was that adults over 50, the one that we always look at with AEW, the audience they're they're never going to top NXT with, adults over 50 were only down 4% on a Saturday night, meaning they're never going to get more in that category than NXT. But the ones that are watching AEW, they are going to adjust their habits and find this show. And I think that's a real... Um, that, that that's a real notch in in their favor the fact that that audience was willing to find this on a saturday night and did not have some big drop i mean yeah they've they've, they've got their own 50 like they're the 50 plus aew loyalists and then they're in the 50 plus um yeah i'm just imagining where do 50 year olds hang out i'm just thinking about like senior citizens in the seniors home well saturday night they they <laughs> did their gardening they put together their computer and then they were ready for some wrestling on, on sure. Saturday night. You know, at the retirement house, like, everybody's watching NXT. Oh, like, imagine, like, on Thursdays, the arguments they might have about the demos. Um, But, it, yeah, typically it's like an, you know, this is an NXT retirement home, okay? And then the outcasts are the ones watching AEW in the corner, like, on their laptop. Was it surprising to you that, we, that AEW on Saturday... Uh, they still won, aside from the uh, the coveted demo, Adults Over 50, they still beat NXT in every key demo with NXT being unopposed on Wednesday. That's, uh, yeah, quite amazing. And again, really tells you, like, at this point now, a year into the thing, you've kind of made up your mind about which product you're following. You know, um, if you're going to watch NXT, you're going to watch NXT even if... Um, I guess it. I guess has it has it been shown like? Does has NXT moved nights yet? They haven't, right? Not no, no. They've been so, on. They've been on Wednesday every night. So the Tuesday that's every that, week that's coming up will be you know a good test to see how many people follow NXT. 
Yes. Uh, but if you're AEW, I mean, it's it's at least shown this week that uh, even if they move to a Saturday, you're going to follow a- AEW, which I which I think is it was like so good that they decided to give a very substantial show on a Saturday, despite it being a Saturday that they didn't phone the show in. They gave us a Cody, you know, uh, Bodie Lee title switch and 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 the rest of the show being really high quality. So it, it tells anybody who decided to spend their time watching Saturday, uh, AEW on a Saturday on an off night that they spent their time wisely and they were rewarded for it. And it's that much more likely that somebody will tune in again on a different night. In a way, it was a win-win for AEW. Like they go on Saturday and they're way down. It's it's a different it's a different night. It's Saturday. You can't put too much stock into it. But instead, they they put a lot onto that show. Did very well by the the standards of which you had set going in, and they appear that much more valuable. I would say if you're TNT looking at them than they were even a week ago, um, a year from now. Way, could you see any scenario where AEW and NXT are not? head-to-head on Wednesday nights, or do you expect both to remain in these uh, positions? Uh, very interesting, and I think, you know, uh, this Tuesday, like, time slot for NXT will be an interesting experiment for them. I mean, even for, like, this Saturday for AEW, like, this is a great way to kind of test out what the limits of, of your audience uh, may be, you know, switching nights. And I don't think AEW's at this point thinking about switching nights. You know, why would they? Like, Wednesday has been working out really well for them. Uh, I could potentially see NXT maybe wanting to switch, you know, to a, to a Tuesday or something like that if they do see significantly better ratings. But then again, the whole point of this thing has been to try to limit NXT's uh, AEW's audience. Um and and that'll be another, you know, experiment uh, interesting data data collection point too. How will AEW do unopposed? What is their ceiling? You know, are, are we talking about a, a a number of hardcores that are going to be watching no matter what and it's not going to grow significantly? Or are we going to see that that much bigger of a boost for AEW? Uh, tonight's episode of NXT. Um, last week we talked about NXT kind of going into their unopposed week where it felt like the same show you would have expected any other week. But tonight, they have really loaded up this show. We've got Karrion Cross and Scarlett opening up the show. And then they've added two title matches, Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner against Brizongo. Coming up, Brizongo's win on Saturday for the tag titles. Uh, Santos Escobar versus Isaiah Swerve Scott for the Cruiserweight title. Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley against Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. The return of Tommaso Ciampa. And we're going to get the former Wade Barrett. Stu Bennett will be on commentary tonight. I'm looking forward to this show tonight. I think it's a really solid lineup. We're going to see if they get their post uh, takeover bump and running unopposed. Like this feels like a pretty stacked lineup for NXT. I think coming off of a takeover, coming off of a title ch- change, uh, should should result in a pretty big thing for or, or uh, good results for them. Um, I'm definitely most excited about seeing Wade Barrett return. Uh, he's been great on commentary on NWA Power, uh, and I I look forward to seeing how he might fit into this whole NXT thing. I I think he'll sound good. Unfortunately, like I mean, this is like a I, I'm assuming just a bit of a tryout for him. But, Probably, uh, you know, I don't know what it means for Nigel. I was surprised that you would think Nigel would be the first call. Um, I, I was surprised by that because that was my thought. Yeah, I mean, and that's uh, not a knock. Stu Bennett's very good, but Nigel is already like to me that was his position, and you would think that once you know if they needed someone, he would be the guy. Unless they just felt this is a one week thing and. 
why bring Nigel back for one week? We would rather when it's something permanent, you could revisit that. I don't it, know. As far as you know, like it, Nigel is U.S. based right now. Oh yeah, he lives in California. Yeah, unless, he, unless he's moved, but that's where he had been based. Yeah, so I mean, um, if, if that's the case, it it, it does surprise me. Uh, let's finish off talking about New Japan because they held their uh, card today at Core Q and Hall. Featuring the four stipulation matches to establish the fatal four-way for Saturday's show at Jingu Stadium. Both of us have had a chance to watch these matches and see the stipulations uh, put into practice. Started off with Satoshi Kojima and El Desperado with finishing maneuvers banned. And I thought these two had actually a very good match. It was one of Kojima's better singles matches he's had in recent memory. And... They really tried to tease it with Kojima at one point swinging the arm and nailing Desperado's arm and got warned by Marty Asami. And Desperado's using all of his arsenal, the Guitarra de Angel and the Numero Dos. But uh, Kojima got out of those. He hit a brain buster, Koji Cutter off of the turnbuckle. And then Desperado yanks Marty Asami down. And behind the referee's back, he goes for the Pinche Loco, which is stopped. He delivers a pair of lariats. Kojima won't go down, but he gets so angry, he stops Desperado on the third attempt with the dreaded lariat. And Marty Asami disqualifies Kojima at 14 minutes, 14 seconds. I guess just to establish this whole concept, I I wasn't crazy about the finish, but I did think they had a pretty good match. More than I expected the two to have. I I, I was pleasantly surprised. you know, And I think like what, what something like this tells me is that if you have like good wrestlers doing ridiculous gimmicks, I mean, they're in the end they're still good wrestlers, and um, you know the content of the match was fine. And in fact, like I found myself probably more engaged in this than I would have if it was just a straight up match between these two, because you know of the of the unique circumstance of of the uh, you know banning of the finishers. I was really curious to see how they would tease it to showcase like the limitations of the stipulations to the audience. And I thought they did that relatively successfully. The finish had to like have something to do with the, with the finish, right. Or with the stipulation. Right. And I thought it, it, it made Kojima look like definitely silly, but like it was done in a way that I think, you know, was eh, still kind of made him look like tough. Like, okay, this guy like stopped giving a shit because he hated this guy so much. He's so he's just going to use the Larry anyway. So, I mean, I, I thought overall it was clever, and I found it entertaining and engaging. The next match was Toriano and Bushi in a match where it was a two-count pinfall stipulation. So, um, this match, I thought, really worked. They did not overstay their welcome. It went 446, and it was kind of like the the old like spy versus spy concept where each was just trying to out maneuver the other guy with roll-ups and the buckle got exposed both ended up getting run into it and it was a fun pace with these one count kickouts uh, bushi hit this dive to the floor and then tied up yano's legs with athletic tape rolled him in hit the seated drop kick and goes to the mastral cradle which yano reverses cradling bushi for the two count um i thought this was a lot of fun i i thought that this this was the stipulation that definitely worked you know, this is a title that I think is, is custom-made for somebody like Toriano, who, you know, uh, in all of his matches, his task is to try to think of a creative way to, um, you know, make people laugh or just, you know, uh, come up with ways of creating creative finishes. 
And doing something like this, I think, only helps like somebody with you know a character like his. Uh, and I, I agree with you. The pace of like these one counts um, made things definitely uh, you know more interesting. And the finish, if it, it would have been a problem if this went like fifteen minutes, but it was a short sketch essentially, uh, like a brief comic strip, like you mentioned, John, with Spy versus Spy, and uh, ultimately just like. Gave you a pretty satisfying result, I thought. Show and Sonata had their submission match. Went 19 minutes, uh, 38 seconds. The the story of the match was Show working on the arm with, uh, you know, constantly going to the Kimura, catching Sonata, and then Sonata would attack the knee of Show. And this this went on for a prolonged period. Uh, Show utilized a lot of offense, some of them counters, using his knees and really sold the effect that they had on the knees that he was protecting himself, but in the process, re-injuring uh, the knee as this uh, continued onward. Uh, in the end, Sonata locked on a figure four. Show tried to reverse it, but it was immediately rolled back over by Sonata, and Show finally had to tap at 1938. I thought the match was good. I didn't think it necessarily got into the level of great or anything like that uh what did you feel about this match it was the one that got the most amount of time on the show it was a sh- it was like the sort of like the the meat of i would say like the four matches here you know uh for anybody who feels really slighted by new japan doing this type of thing uh here they presented you know about as like no nonsense of a stipulation as i think you can get if anything like this made things a bit more serious having a pure wrestling submission only style of match that you didn't even get a chance to vote on. They didn't even leave that up to choice. You know, we're do we're 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 not like giving you the option of fucking this up. This is going to be a submission match and it's going to be there for the hardcores and uh yeah, there aren't gonna be any shenanigans and there really weren't. Um so as a submission match, I mean I, I think both of these two are just wonderful to watch together um w- with their great like athleticism and great chemistry and great ability to just flow and um, beyond, I think, you know, great chain wrestling, you got to see a lot more of that. Show, show Tanaka Fire fighting from behind as the underdog. Fantastic selling throughout. Um, much of the spotlight on him uh, at the end of this match. And um, I think deservedly so. You know, he he plays a great underdog. And then the main event, the one everyone's been waiting for, the handicap match with Kazuchika Okada versus Yujiro, Ghetto, and Jado. And the goal of this match was to make you think for a nanosecond that Kazuchika Okada was in danger of not defeating these three men. So they brought in weapons. Uh, Okada was constantly going for the Cobra Clutch that he's been utilizing uh, throughout this uh, return. And he stops Ghetto and Jado, then goes back to the hold on Yujiro. Uh, they eventually had control of Okada. They did a triple-team powerbomb off of the t- turnbuckle, stomped him down. Jado hit a splash off the top rope, the most impressive maneuver the man's hit in years. Ghetto tried to use the brass knuckles, but they were stopped uh, when he was hit with an uppercut. And Okada just fired at Jada with a drop kick as he was holding the kendo stick. Big drop kick delivered to Yujiro. And then a somersault dive onto the floor. The Ghetto clutch gets a near fall. That was the closest uh, the trinity of villains had in this particular match. And then Okada made his comeback. Tombstone, Cobra Clutch, submitting Ghetto at 15 minutes and 27 seconds. This was uh, a match. You know, if, if the goal was to um, get you to buy into like at least one near fall, I, I think they were about as successful as they could have possibly been with that Ghetto Clutch at the end. 
Um, but beyond that, I actually felt this was probably the weakest of the four matches. Um, I think what this was successful in doing was dress up an otherwise probably even worse Kazuchika Okada, um, Yujiro Takahashi rematch that uh, I would have had zero interest in. I'm sure it would have been worse than this. But the result of this um, did not feel main, main event worthy. And, uh, you know, despite Okada being the one to supposedly come up with this stipulation, uh, uh, this whole concept, I I think it was the most dis- disappointing match of the four. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get into this match at all. Really didn't do it for me, especially in a in a main event position. But that does set up the four-way. So it will be Okada, Sonata, El Desperado, and Toru Yano to decide the king of pro wrestling, I guess, crown holder coming out of Saturday's show. The other thing that uh, was unique about the show was New Japan trying their uh, right. re- remote cheer sound system. And I believe this is the app thing that we've seen like screenshots of in the past, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so fans have the chance, had the ability to press buttons for various crowd noises. Um, and this was in Korokuen Hall. So what did you think of it, John? I didn't think it really added a lot. I thought it was um, somewhat reminiscent of what we've been seeing from WWE. I think it's really hard to master the art of artificial noise in a wrestling context. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it added a whole lot to me. Um, but they're trying. Everyone's trying. I don't think anyone's mastered it in the pro wrestling realm yet. We are definitely like in the like caveman stages of trying to like, I don't know, create like artificial noise in a live setting. And I think this was like, I mean, they're experiments and they're they're really saying as much. Um, I think like having some noise in the background does add to the atmosphere a little bit, but it's really weird. Um, it's still really weird. It's like, you know, seeing real people in the background, but hearing like robots try to replicate human emotion which uh is really strange um but i I could see them like continuing to toy with it and tinker with it um is it better than having silence to some people yeah i think it will they they will they will say that yeah i think you're it's kind of the, the the lesser of two evils is what we're dealing with when it comes to the atmosphere um I'm very curious to see how Saturday sounds in a much larger uh, environment and what the setup looks like at Jingu Stadium. That's right. Yeah. So that's this Saturday. That is this Saturday. They have six matches announced. Uh, they're doing another Q and Hall show on Thursday, which is just loaded up with tags to, I guess, just get us into Saturday. Another note is I expect on Saturday we'll probably get the field for the G1 announced. You would think. Yeah, Absolutely. You would think so, if not, if not right afterwards, you know, uh, during a press conference or something. But uh, yeah, so so uh, so sorry. In that King of Pro Wrestling match, we got Okada, um, Yano, S- Sonata, Pete. and Desperado. Desperado, and that's just a four way. No other stipulation. The, the stipulation is that it's is the, the fatal four way. Yeah. Okay. Um, one other note before we uh, get on out of here, I just want to send well wishes to a uh, uh, broadcaster, Justin Morissette, out in Vancouver. Um, he works with uh, Sportsnet 650. He hosts the uh, the Wrestle Central show. And a week ago, uh, I heard from Justin, and he had done this interview with uh, David Arquette. 
and wasn't able to run it on his show. And he had kind of asked me, like, if if I could uh, transcribe this, write it up, would you be interested in running it? And I said, absolutely. And then this news occurred this past weekend, and this has been national news in Canada, that uh, in his area where he lived, there was um, a, a pair of preachers who were essentially using a speaker system out in the street and using a lot of anti-gay rhetoric. And Justin confronted these people, and it ended up with Justin getting his leg broken. Uh, and this has become a really big story in uh, Canada. If you want to uh, look this up, uh, there's been a GoFundMe set up for him. Um, regardless, uh, he did send me this completed interview. So we're going to be posting that later this week. But I did want to mention ahead of time, just uh, wishing our best to uh, Justin uh, going through uh, a recovery period. It was uh, sounds like a really nasty uh, broken leg. And this has been a very big story, especially out in Vancouver. Uh, about what went on here and that he was trying to uh, stop these people from, you know, preaching in the middle of the street, uh, some hateful speech, and it resulted in a terrible injury for him. That's crazy. So anyway, hope that uh, Justin uh, does better and is uh, recovering. So that's going to wrap up our show. Uh, We're going to be back on Thursday night with Rewinded Dynamite chatting about uh, AEW and uh, what they have for their live show way, which will feature 10% capacity from tickets that they have sold to the public. And tonight, Braden and Davey will be back with Up Next to go through uh, NXT's post-takeover edition of the show and all the directions that they are heading in uh, beyond tonight. So those are the shows that are coming up. And then we've got a live Rewind to SmackDown Friday night at 10.15 Eastern for members of the cafe. And then lots of shows this weekend, including a bonus Cruel Summer edition with WH Park and Stephanie Chase. We'll have a show after the New Japan card at Jingu Stadium with Wei and I on the cafe feed. And then Sunday night is payback. It's it's pay-per-view time yet again. Yeah, just a week later. Um, full card to come, I suppose, on after Friday. That's right. So that is all that is coming up. Postwrestling.com is where you can check out all of the news. And we'll speak with you on Thursday night. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.